Episode 103 is here, everybody, with Natalie Steingartz on overcoming an eating disorder and really grateful for her to come on and share her story, a painful journey that she's been on, uh, a long road to recovery, and 2019 has been a big turning point for her, as you will hear in this 40-minute episode where she uh, takes us through her journey over the past decade plus uh, on dealing with an eating disorder and trying to overcome it, which she is now back on track and back on the path. So um, please take a listen and uh, share this episode with anybody that you feel can use it. And before you do, please join the Optimal Life family. Click subscribe. We continue to grow and really looking forward to some big things ahead in 2020. Um, I am taking off the month of December, so if you're listening to this podcast in December 2019, uh, I am off. It's our two-year anniversary, and um, I am going to regroup and refresh for 2020. So click subscribe, join the family, listen to any of the prior 100-plus episodes, uh, and take them in, and we will be back strong in the early 2020 time frame. Um, And with that said, folks, please, as always, sit back, relax. And welcome the one and only Natalie Steingartz. The Optimal Life. That was the missing piece. Okay. Now I could hear you. All right, good. <laughs> <laughs> so you were saying your husband's not feeling well. Nope. And you're going to be cooking away in the kitchen today. Yep. Uh, soup and then spaghetti and meatballs for his birthday dinner. Wow. Yeah. Sun- Sunday's big cooking day for me. Is this your specialty? No, it's just something that I'm making. What do you typically make on Sundays? Um, it depends. Sometimes a roast chicken, sometimes pot roast. Um, it just depends on what's on sale at Heinen's. So. Heinen's is fantastic. Yes. It's my favorite place to shop. Even though I've been going to Miles Market yeah. so close, mm-hmm. it's so convenient. Yeah. But Heinen's is really good when it's, I mean, their, their meats are fresh. Mm-hmm. The deli, the produce, yep. everything there is is people don't realize. I don't think. Yeah. Well, we've got the Heinen's by here, and then we have one in Shaker Heights as well. And right. then we do that in Whole Foods, and we like to grocery shop. So, so, uh, so you're making soup and, and spaghetti for him. Well, we're sorry that he's not feeling great. <laughs> um, you're practicing law. Yes. What do you What do you specialize in? Uh, corporate litigation. I do electronic discovery. And that, what exactly does that mean? Um, basically, any email uh, or text or anything that you've ever written, I dissect it and help uh, the senior attorneys uh, create their cases. So, if you've written something that might be a, you know, potentially a liability, I try to find it and help explain why it was written or if it helps us or hurts us. Oh, so you're like, you got to come in and save the day afterwards. You're after well, the fact, right? Uh, well, before the fact is... Are you? Uh, it, it depends on how far the case goes along. But you're coming in to... So are you are you coming in to review things before they're actually submitted? Yes. Okay. Or after. Or after. So yeah. it, could be, it could be either mm-hmm. or. Yeah, I, we do it for both sides. So it depends on the other side sometimes gives us... 10 hard drives and we review their side or sometimes we review our own stuff how did how long have you been practicing that uh well i don't want to date myself but <laughs> um i was an associate in uh, new york and in connecticut uh, for four and a half years and i've been doing electronic discovery since 2008 wow i've never met somebody that does that area of the law there's a lot of us yeah. yeah, they need to do everything is done on computers now. And so you think about how many emails you send a day, mm-hmm. then somebody has to review them. And you're talking about a lot of sensitive information. So 
somehow it needs to be reviewed and it's you know not just emails but it's all of your data files who are your your clients big corporations yes i mm -hmm. i generally work for large corporations i do corporate litigation right and is this the area of the law that you see yourself in for the rest of your days practicing well uh for now i yeah. had started out doing um divorce and uh housing work and real estate but okay. when I transferred uh, back to Ohio, I wasn't licensed in Ohio, just New York and Connecticut, and this was a way to transition. Okay. And just the area of the law is uh, so fundamental, and it's changing daily, and they need this type of work done. Well, especially, like you said, with technology now, and mm -hmm. everything's going, it's still a infancy part of the law, I yeah. imagine, because everything's changing, and now there's there's different things that are happening with electronics, mm -hmm. with videos, with people claiming copyrights and all these things, right? Mm -hmm. Interesting. Yes. How did you like divorce law? Um, it's interesting, I would imagine. You, you have to have a hearty constitution to do it. A it's, hearty constitution. <laughs> <laughs> uh, people uh, get very sensitive when uh, emotions are involved. So uh, sometimes you try to have to count, you have to counsel your client that it's best to walk away at a certain point whereas they just want to kind of jab that's got to be the most in my opinion that's got to be the most emotional part of law yes because everything else is kind of within a there's gray of course mm -hmm. but there's a there's more set black and white but when it comes to divorce it's all emotional uh, especially when children are involved oh that's got to be tough yeah that's got to be hard you have to learn to separate yourself from it and tell your clients you know it's time to stop fighting over that cd it's going to cost you ten thousand dollars just buy a new cd and they don't listen all the time yeah th thankfully for my situation um i was been divorced almost a year mm -hmm. so we've already heard that thank you and uh we've we found a way to do it amicably in a healthy manner mm -hmm. and put the kids first and first and foremost and I mean, we didn't even go through, we didn't have attorneys fighting yeah. with each other. We came to our own agreement. Mm -hmm. um, we had an attorney draw up and draft mm -hmm. our agreement naturally, but but that was after everything was done. Mm -hmm. And uh, I mean, fortunately, I've that was my experience. Yeah, you're lucky. I mean, people, yeah, everyone I talked to is like, yeah. well, you're in a small percentage. Yeah. Yeah. People will fight it out till the very end. And the only people who are successful in it at those times are the attorneys. Oh, and, <laughs> Yeah, 25, 50 grand later, <laughs> right? Everyone's going. And, and your position is not going to be all that different. Yeah. When you walk away at the end, whether it's six months, a year, two years, however long your divorce mm -hmm. takes, right? Yeah. And you walk away at the end from where you initially started. Yeah. You're not walking away with much different than it would have been yeah. if you just found a way to sit down and do it amicably. Yeah. And if you can't do it, just that I know that that's rare. I'm not trying to make it sound like it's easy. Mm-hmm. But if you can't do it that way, then maybe a mediator. Try yep. that, right? Mm -hmm. It's going to save you a ton, a ton it's, of money. I try to counsel people now. Uh, prenups are the way to go. And a lot of people walk in, they say, well, why would I want this? And that's insulting. I say, when you're getting along, it's easiest to do it than, than to fight it out. Because when you're emotional, you're it's going to be a problem. Even if you line. don't have... Anything. Right, right. You just think about it in the future. Because you never know where you're going to be 10, exactly. 20, 30 years from now. Exactly. Interesting. So even if you don't have anything, you yeah. would counsel, no matter who it is, sign a prenup. 
or create one for things you might have in the future. You just think, you know, we'll just divide it 50-50 no matter where we go. And think about, you know, what could happen. Just so we're getting along now, in case we start fighting later, let's not pay $50,000, as you said, to the attorneys. Let's walk away and we'll keep that in our pockets. Yes. That makes so, a lot of sense. But don't, don't, don't tell lawyers I said that. <laughs> well, don't tell the divorce lawyers that you said that. Listen, divorce lawyers are not going out of business ever. Nope. Ever. Half the people are getting divorced. That's I mean, right. it's a very it's a very secure part of the mm -hmm. law. If you want job security, it's a good place to be if you're practicing. That's right. How, what, what, how many years ago did you move back here from New York? I moved uh, at the end of 2008. Okay, so you've been back here for about 10 years. Yeah. Take us through, uh, because I, and I really appreciate you coming on here to well, sh you. share your story. I know mm -hmm. it's it's uh, has to be been a crazy journey for you to this point. Um, take us back. Well, first off, before we get there, explain the difference between bulimia and anorexia for all of us. Okay. Well, bulimia is usually uh, involves throwing up and laxatives and use of purging and doing that. Anorexia is usually food restriction or exercising, and it involves just starving your body. Uh, if you're asking me my experience, I'm kind of neither. I didn't okay. really fall into that. I was more into the category of accidental weight loss and more of an, it's a new category. It's called an ARFID, and that's where you're very picky about foods and certain things don't appeal to you. And so while you'll basically restrict foods, but your in initial goal isn't weight loss. You just happen to lose the weight or you'll start off by, well, you wanna lose like five pounds. Excuse me, these are falling off. No, it's okay. um, you'll wanna lose like five pounds. And you could pull these up. You could like uh, tighten them a little oh. bit there. There, we there you go. go. Yeah, sorry. sorry. I have a small head. Somebody <laughs> might have had a big head that was saying that. That might have been me last time, so who knows? Uh, don't worry. I have a big head, just, <laughs> just not size-wise. Um, so initially, like, you'll want to lose a little bit of a weight, but then it just keeps coming off, and then you'll end up in a place where it just spirals out of control. So there's all different categories of weight loss. I mean, some people are exercise fanatics, or they're people that um, are so like health conscious and they'll only eat organic and that's also a different type of eating disorder it's all just different types of disordered eating to where you just aren't eating normally you don't enjoy your food you're not like one of those people that you know just can go out to dinner and have a great time I mean I would study menus you know before we go to a restaurant obsessively to find out is there something that I want to eat did I eat this type of food the day before? Am I gonna enjoy what I'm eating? And so that type of stuff, and mine just spiraled out of control. When did that begin? Um, I mean, I'd always been small, and so my pickiness, oh sorry, no, okay. uh, my pickiness was always, uh, you know, throughout my life. But and, and I would eat practically everything, so it's not that I'm a picky eater, but I would always be like food obsessed. So like what restaurant are we going to? What am I going to order? What am I going to eat? Who's going to be there? Is it going to be the right thing? So that I've always had. But as far as the weight loss, I think when I started planning my wedding and that was just, you know, 
I don't want to say it's normal, but it was just, I have to make sure that I fit perfectly mm. in my wedding dress. And right. am I going to look right? And then I just started to have an extraordinary amount, extraordinary amount of stress and wasn't sleeping. I was working crazy hours. And then I got very ill. And then food just stopped appealing to me. And within a few months, I dropped probably 60 pounds. Six zero. Six zero. Whoa. Yeah. And you're a small person to begin <laughs> yeah. with. Well, at that point, I was a little bit larger. I was probably like 140, 150. Mm -hmm. And went down into like the 80s Ooh. very quickly. Leading into your wedding. No. At my wedding, I was uh, about 113. So you were already spiraling down pretty yeah. quickly. So by the time you started... So do, so do you feel that... Um, I know you were always particular about food, but something triggered it. There was a major trigger, and it obviously was just this thought about having to look great for the wedding. Mm -hmm. Is that what was like the main trigger? Um, I, I, it, it, it's hard to pinpoint what exactly happened. I just was, I got sick, and it like food didn't appeal to me and I couldn't hold anything down and I'm so stressed out that nothing would stay down nothing would stay in and then it just was like it just spiraled out of control so nothing would stay down and stay in how would it how would you get rid of were you I, I wasn't up? getting rid of it intentionally oh oh it just wasn't staying on you nope I I had such bad malnutrition and vitamin deficiency that it wasn't. No matter what you were eating, but you weren't eating much because you mm -hmm. started getting pickier and pickier. Yeah. So, okay, so this wasn't a bulimia episodes or anything like nope. that. You were never making yourself throw up mm -hmm. or doing things to uh, get, you know, wash yourself out. Nope. This was, um, what did you call the term? Well, uh, it's called considered? an ARFID. ARFID? Mm-hmm. How do you spell that? A-R-F-I-D. I've never heard of it. It's, yeah. um... It stands for something, and if, if I had my phone, I'd look it up. It's, um, you can actually look I it have up. It. Yeah, I'll look it up while you explain um, it. It's basically, you're picking, you have like somewhat sensory issues with food, so you like certain textures, you like particular tastes of things, and you're, and, and a lot of it is tied to autism. Okay. And Which I'm not autistic. Right. But, um... So you, you'll like only like a certain thing at a particular time. So I would eat like a particular type of soup every day. And that would be the only thing that would appeal to me. And then all of a sudden, I wouldn't want that anymore. So then I'd only want mashed potatoes. And so it, it would just be odd. It stands for uh, ARFID is Avoidant Restrictive Food Intake Disorder. Yeah, there we go. Avoidant Thank you. I, I always forget what that means. Disorder, also known as ARFID. Okay. Okay. So it's different than anorexia and it's different than bulimia. Right. Because it's it's something that's a little bit more mental with your eating. Because what you're doing then is every time you have something to just give yourself some kind of intake, mm -hmm. you're, then, you're then almost like becoming turned off by it. Yeah. You're, you're like, you're like you, you want it and then you're like, Ugh, I, I don't like yeah. that. Food just stops being a priority. Mm -hmm. And so I'd go to work and then all of a sudden I'd realize I haven't eaten in two days. I hadn't been hungry, and then I would wonder why I was so tired. And then you, once you get to a point where you're not eating, you 
lose your appetite completely that you're like i'm so hungry that i can't eat and that basically so it just starts this vicious cycle yeah how many years ago did that start um i got married in 2015 but the the eating issue was the pickiness had been there for a while so but the weight loss really came down around 2014 2015 but then i got really sick and was um i went into uh inpatient program in uh 2015 to 2000 uh 2016 i believe okay so post-wedding yeah you're dropping you're dropping weight rapidly what what are people around you doing are you are you seeing things from your loved ones are they giving you what's happening there there was a lot of concern but then there's a lot of like why can't you just eat a cheeseburger and that's like everyone's favorite statement um just just eat and you're like it's much more complicated than that and i know your concern but it's at that point i was just too i was too far gone and uh luckily i had uh, a couple very good friends and uh, my fiance at that time who said you know you need to get help and so i went to a great treatment program and inpatient and that helped however after the treatment program i got even worse mm. because i ended up getting um a foodborne illness and then lost even more weight so and then that again was unintentional right none of this none of well none of this is intentional right even the people that are bulimic it's Mm -hmm. really not their intentions to feel this way Mm -hmm. they don't want to wake up and feel this way they they don't want to force food out of their system well some people do i mean i I mean they do they do obviously uh they do obviously have the intent of doing that but i don't think they ever want to intentionally you know, have this mental illness or mental no. disease that they're fighting. No, and, and it is mental. And it's actually like one of the number one killers of women and, and men as well. It's rising for men to have this because it's such a it's such a problem because it affects all of your organs and it's mental. So it causes, you know, suicide. People, you can't get rid of it because it's ongoing. People have it up until like their 50s. Mm. And so it's just... They can be living it with, with this for decades. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So back to you. Yes. Um, you're, 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 you're deteriorating. I don't, for mm-hmm. lack, I don't know how else to put it. You're at 140, yeah. 145. You're going all the way down to your 80s mm-hmm. at this point. When somebody says to you, why can't you just eat a cheeseburger? What 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 is it about? And when you're in that mental state, why can't you eat this cheeseburger? Explain. why Why can't you? Because at that point, you're just angry for them for saying that. Well, you're pissed off that they would even yeah. say something, right? Mm-hmm. But why, in your mind, what prevents you from just taking that bite and, and trying to do it? What's the psychology? Food just turns you off. And even putting it in your body is so nauseating. And for me, it wasn't the fear that I'd gain weight because I wanted to. I hated the way I looked. It was like... I have all these beautiful clothes in my closet and nothing fits. I hated the way that I looked. I wanted to gain the weight. But the actual putting food in my body made me physically ill. I just couldn't do it. Wow. And when I did, it just it made me like just sick. And I just couldn't. And then So you were willing to uh, give up the ability to 
wear those clothes, as you say. If you had to choose the the lesser of two evils, right? For you, it was just not eating. It, I I couldn't force myself to do it. I even though you did, even though you didn't like the way you look, which yeah. I find so interesting, so fascinating. You don't like the way you look. Mm -hmm. you, you can't you can't like the way you feel. Yeah, I mean, you must feel, and you must be agitated with everything. I, mm -hmm. I mean, what's going on in your day to day life? mentally and emotionally what's every day like when you're in that state well you're exhausted you're dizzy you're angry at yourself you're angry at others you are just you you feel terrible you feel worthless you just you, you feel like you can't have the basic human function of eating and you don't understand why this is happening to you it just you and it affects, and you, it affects your relationships. It oh, affects absolutely. your work. Mm -hmm. When you're going into work, you're practicing practicing yeah. law. You you barely can do it because you know how you look, and people look at you with such fear. People are afraid of you. They think that you're going to stroke out. They think you're going to pass out. They think you're going to die at any minute, and you can see that in their eyes. And you're just like, I don't know what to do. Mm. So when you felt like you don't know what to do, mm -hmm. you end up getting checked into this rehabilitation facility. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Tell us a little bit about what they do at those in those facilities or um, programs. There's a lot of um, there's therapy, there's nutritional advice, there's group, um, there's just there's eating <laughs> a lot of it. Um, Where you guys will sit around as a group and and actually just force yourselves to eat. They, they time you. You have to eat. There's meals. Um, there's scheduled meals. If you don't eat uh, your meal on time, uh, they have you have nutritional drinks. Um, there's snacks. There's yoga. There's art therapy. There's things like that. There's, it's a lot of wellness um, things. They're trying to make you, I guess, a whole person again. And But plus there's a lot of refeeding and understanding your nutritional needs so they have you do that and yeah. is all the therapy this is a non psychotherapy this is not drug therapy correct or do, are they giving medications to anybody well I mean you take the medications that you're prescribed oh, but they, they, do prescribe they don't certain medications yeah I mean if you're like nutritionally low like okay. I was prescribed folic acid oh, and oh those like kind the, of things yeah yeah I mean you get your blood taken every day um, you, you get weighed in every day. They make sure you're not drinking alcohol or on any like substance or anything like that. They want to make sure that you know your baselines are clean, so they can work on you to deal with your eating disorder and that you're not having you know other issues. Although eating disorders are often coexisting with other disorders, so people have eating disorders. They're often chemically dependent on something as well. Interesting. It's it, it affects such a small population of people. I was reading like what one to three percent. Is that accurate? Or I don't it, think so. I think it's, it, I think it it's much higher. Okay. Because I, I thought those numbers were small. Yeah, I I think it's much higher. And as you were saying before we went on, mm -hmm. you, you, once you start sharing your journey, you start realize people are reaching out to you. Mm -hmm. Other people that are going through something similar. Yeah. And so maybe maybe the statistics don't tell the the whole story because well, a lot of people don't want to talk about it. Exactly. Until they're like, well, I had this at one time, um, or my friend did this, or, you know, 
or I I have food issues or food shame or things like that. So there there's a huge spectrum of what is actually an eating disorder versus disordered eating. An eating disorder versus disordered eating. Mm-hmm. So the eating disorder, what's the difference? Well, some people have disordered eating, like they'll only eat like at a certain time or like they'll only eat white foods. Um, and that can be an eating disorder, like anorexia. But some people have disordered eating. They'll only eat organic, which is considered healthy. But that's also disordered eating I because see what you're it's if if it affects your life to where you just can't relax and just eat and just have a good time. The, yeah. The so it's disordered eating. So disordered eating really, arguably, could be anyone that's strict on a paleo diet, strict mm-hmm. on a, a keto. Strict on anything. Or yo-yos up and down. Yeah, or whole 30. I mean, if you're just where you're so obsessed, but you won't take that little carb or you won't Mm -hmm. have that that piece of meat. I mean, I guess you could even say vegetarians and vegans would fall into the same category. And it just depends. If it's you're doing it and it's something that you're happy with, that's one thing. But when it consumes your life, then it can be disordered eating. It just it depends on your mental perspective about it. Sure, sure, that makes sense. So how long are you at the facility for? I was there five weeks. Okay. Some people go two weeks. Um, it, it depends. Like they release you once you're at a certain weight or once uh, you're at a certain BMI or once the doctors think that you're fine enough to be either outpatient or they, they think you're you're good to go. So in those five weeks, mm-hmm. what's happening for you physically and what's happening for you emotionally? Um, because my weight loss wasn't as intentional as others, they just wanted me to gain a certain amount of weight to be healthy. And so my therapy was not as uh, intense as others because it wasn't, you know, I have so much, you know, issues. It's not deep seated. It's, you know, we just need to, we, we need to have you put on weight because you're sick. So for me, that was what they were focusing on. For some other people, they, they had a complete body dysmorphia issue. I knew what I looked like. Mm-hmm. I knew I wanted to change that. We just had to figure out how we could do that. Because there's people, in fact, the body dysmorphia is where somebody, thinks that they still aren't skinny enough, yeah. correct? Mm-hmm. Whereas someone in your position feels like, you know you're too skinny, yeah. and how do we get back? Yeah. So were you were you able to start putting weight on in those five weeks? I did. I, I mean, I, I think that they released me at like 91 pounds, which is still small, um, but I'm only five feet tall. Well, mm-hmm. five one. Um, but I then again lost more weight after that. So I, it... But that was due to an, another illness. Again, not intentional. This wasn't so much my mindset. This was just my body wasn't, it wasn't nutritionally sound. It couldn't hold on to anything. So it wasn't until I was on, you know, a proper regimen of, you know, a lot of vitamins and, you know, things to, to where my body could actually hold on to nutrients that it could absorb everything and then gain weight. And once I was medically stable, then I was able to put on weight and enjoy food and eat things, and you know, then everything turned around that way. So this was 2016 time frame. Yeah. And you leave the facility, and to your point, 
it gets worse. You drop more weight mm-hmm. once you're out of there. Uh, what what's going on in your mind? I mean, is there is there suicidal thoughts or stuff? Does it get that intense? Not really for me. It's just you feel worthless, and you're just like I don't understand what's wrong with me. But I also had like a very bad liver issue, and that was part of the reason I wasn't able to gain the weight. And it wasn't until I was hospitalized for that that I was able to finally get better and put on the weight. So you needed this other ailment to really catapult you back yeah. with this. Wow. Mm-hmm. I, was, I mean, that's not really what we're talking about now, but I was hospitalized with stage 4 organ failure that also had to do with the weight loss. So once they were able to fix the entire metabolic issue that was going on, that was when I was able to actually recover weight-wise. And when was this? Um, I was hospitalized uh, February 27th of this year and was released at the uh, in May. And oh my gosh. I had my feeding tube in for three months. Wow. So this this back this goes from 2016 when you're released, mm-hmm. 16, 17, 18, all the way up until the beginning until of 2019. Year, yeah. yeah, I had my feeding tube until the end of May of this year. But you're walking around in, in the at 80 some pounds for the last few years. Um. Yeah. Wow. Yep. <laughs> And by walking, we'll use that term loosely. I was uh, barely able to walk. I had absolutely no muscle tone. Um, I had huge issues with walking, with grasping things. I just, the body was not working. Wow. To live like that for all those years. Like you said, some people have to deal with this for decades and decades. Mm I just, I don't think anyone could imagine like what the everyday struggle has to feel like, like waking up in the morning just to get out of bed. And be a lawyer and go to work. And you were still practicing. Yep. And doing well, as well as I could. I certainly wasn't a shining star like I am now, but I was doing the best I could. But like I said, people looked at me with fear in their eyes and wondering, you know, is she just going to croak on the floor? Wow. So. You guys have kids? Nope. No kids? Nope. So when you and your husband are sitting down for dinner in 2017, 18, whenever, I'm trying to I'm trying to understand the picture. He sits down. Does he eat in front of you? Is he uncomfortable? What's all He's that uncomfortable like? uncomfortable. Uh, pra- practically every meal would be a fight. It would mm. be, why aren't you eating? What is wrong? What? And then it would be him walking out of the restaurant or something. It would be just... A struggle that oh you know just eat something just do it and then me saying like I can't I just can't and it, it would be awful because I'd be so excited to go to dinner and plan what I wanted and then I take two bites and just say I can't I can't do it Wow the psychology behind that is just I mean it's so it's fascinating in, in that the the brain is that powerful mm-hmm it's really something because you wanted to. Yeah. There's people that don't want to. You wanted to. You wanted to. You were excited about a meal, and then you'd sit down, and you would just be be like freeze up or mm-hmm. just no matter how bad you wanted to. Mm-hmm. That had to take such a toll. I mean, how that that has to take a toll on any relationship. It did. I we were at that point talking about divorce. And over something that 
I thought I just couldn't help. And until I got well, it it was awful. And he, he didn't know what to do. He didn't know oh how to handle gosh. it. Yeah, I can't. I cannot imagine the frustration from a loved one, like a, a husband or a wife, that's got to see their partner going through this. Yeah. The frustration, and and and, and on the flip side, you're saying, "I want to." Also, I'm trying. Mm-hmm. And it's just got to be such a delicate mm-hmm. issue. It's it's hard to it's hard to figure out how that how you yeah. find that middle ground there because mm-hmm. there's really no such thing. Yep. It's not until you get well that you see it and you realize your health is everything. And, you know, our relationship is a hundred times better, you know. Of course. And, like, things that I couldn't do before, like walking up and down stairs, um, cooking, paying bills, staying awake, you know, things like that, that I just wasn't able to do. And, you know... Now we have a completely different relationship. My relationship with my family is 100 times better. My relationship with my friends, my boss, everything has changed since I've been in recovery. Did you know how scared people were to talk to you? Or when you're in it, it's hard to understand? I I did, but I just kept saying, it's not that big of a deal. It's affecting me. It's not affecting you. Because you're so selfish in it. And you're just like... I'm trying. Don't you understand that I'm not doing this to myself on purpose? And you're just so in it that you don't see it. And you're like, can't you just be more supportive of me? And you don't realize how bad you're hurting other people. And they're trying, and they're saying we are trying to be supportive yeah. of you. That's why we're saying this, mm-hmm. right? But you don't understand it when you're the illness is too, it's too devastating. It clouds exactly. you. Mm-hmm. So early 2019, you get put into the hospital for liver failure. Yeah. Of all things, of course, it's all related to the illness. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they they rehabilitate you with with all these medications, mm-hmm. and, and that's when things started turning around for you. Yes. So they're able to they gave you the proper nutrients so that you're able to hold food. What what was it exactly that started turning it around? Um. Well, one. Quit alcohol, eat, feeding tube, have enough calories, everything. I mean, I created a perfect storm for myself, just not taking anything. I mean, I was eating Advil. That was probably my biggest calorie source was Advil. And um, But how were you able to hold it this time? How, were you, how was the food able to stay in? Through the nutrients, through the mm-hmm. medications? And uh, three months on a feeding tube, and that put on enough weight that it was eventually I was able to eat. I mean, and for the first three months, like I wouldn't even have like chicken broth. That also turned me off. Eventually, once like all the uh, electrolytes stabilized, then my body could take it in. And as I mentioned before, mine wasn't so much my mindset. It's just my body wouldn't hold wouldn't hold anything in. Everything turned me off. Right. And then as I got better, I got stronger. I was able to eat, and then now, like, I, I'll eat anything. Everything is fine, and I make it a priority that, okay, I'm going to eat. Because I still get into those sets where I'm at work, you know, 12 hours, and I go, oh, my God, I forgot. And I go, mm. okay, I can't, I can't do that because once I get there, then I know that I could fall right back into that same thing. And 
once that starts, then you know th that can happen again because I know it's not my mindset. It's that my body will just shut down again. So I have to make sure that I make it a priority. Breakfast time, lunch time, snack time, do that. So my body won't shut down. So for people that are going through the same mm -hmm. or something similar, and mm -hmm. I know that you can't necessarily fully relate to an anorexic or the bulimic kind mm -hmm. of uh, situation, but you know enough. It's all in the same family. What kind of advice do you have for someone that's struggling with one of these diseases? Um, definitely therapy. And reach out. Ask somebody for help. And, you know, that's the only thing. And there is no shame in it because somebody you know probably is going through the same thing and you're, you're going to suffer and it's just, it's going to affect everything in your life and there's just only way to go up to get better is just to do everything you can to get better because your life really does depend on it. It's not a physical, this is not a physical disease. The physical part is the effect. The it's cause a, is the mental. Disorder. Right. Yeah. The cause is the brain. The cause is the mind. Mm -hmm. The emotional system. The effect is your body's going to take yeah. a devastating toll. It's going to take a toll on you. Yep. I mean, it'll cause a heart attack. You can stroke. And it's, it is one of the number one killers of women. And men, too, because it will shut down all of your organs. Wow. So your best advice is go seek therapy and if need be, get on some kind of medications to assist, right? It, if, that's, it, if that's what is needed to help ease whatever is going on mentally. So you've been on this path now of recovery for, of, of this, we'll say successful recovery mm -hmm. for about 10 months, plus or yeah. minus. Mm -hmm. um, how much weight have you put on? Um, enough. Um, I'm still um, in about 107 pounds. Okay. And which is normal. My BMI is normal. Um, and that that's a healthy weight for my height. Yeah. And well, that's got to feel good to be back it, up there. Yeah. And but the thing is, I don't care about my weight. That's where I'm at. That's it. It doesn't make a difference to me. It's as long as I feel good, I have energy, I can go out to eat, eat anything I want. And if I want fried chicken, I eat fried chicken. If I want a salad, that's what I eat. And I now can go and have a meal and nobody looks at me like a zoo animal anymore. Like nobody watches to see how much I'm eating or what I'm eating. They know that I'm going to have what I have and that's fine. And that feels better than anything. It's not about the number. It's about the lifestyle it's yep. about the way you feel um and i'm sure when you do look and to see the number though it's still nice to see okay i'm going back in the right direction i'm going back to where i was yeah. well when i see the number and one of the doctors is weighing me and i don't see panic in their eyes that's all that matters because you saw panic for so long yeah that's incredible. I mean, I saw your picture that you posted the other day, which I thought was tremendously courageous on Facebook. And that was 10 pounds heavier than I was at my lowest. Oh. I mean, I was like, whoa. I mean, I saw that picture and I was like, oh my God. When you see that picture, mm -hmm. what what does that do for you now? Uh, it's a place I don't ever want to be again. Um, I look scary. I Like, my hair was falling out. Um, I was pale. And at that time 
it was just that was just what I looked like and I I knew that that is something I don't ever want to look that's like, like your, that's your motivation that's your reminder that's your mm-hmm. daily reminder yep. I'd have that thing plastered on your wall <laughs> and I'd be like uh, you, you, you know that because because it's like if you never want to go back to something bad mm-hmm. you, you kind of want something to remind you of why you don't want to go back yeah. there and that picture is worth mm-hmm. what they say a thousand words yeah. that, might, that might be worth a lot worth a lot more than that <laughs> absolutely um well, again, I think it's extremely courageous. Um, are there any organizations before we finish off that you uh, NIDA, the National Eating Disorder Association, um, NEDA. Um, okay. Also, the Emily Program is good. the that's Emily o- Program. Yep, that's in Ohio. And uh, there's also one in Minnesota that they're both inpatient and outpatient. Okay. Um, NIDA is national, and those are. Great resources. Good resources for yeah. people to uh, to check out. Um, well, like I said, it's great to see that you're back on track and mm-hmm. back on this path. You probably haven't felt this good, uh, what, 15 years? Uh, not since yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's like it's this, this year of 2019 has been a real big year for you, mm-hmm. obviously. Yes. And... Um, Hopefully you'll continue on this path, which I have no doubt you will. Mm-hmm. And uh, like I said, I really appreciate you coming on to share this for anyone else that's struggling. Hopefully that we can help them today. Is there anywhere do you do anything with social media if you want people to reach out to you or? Um, I don't. I mean, other okay. than my regular just Facebook page, but um, nope. Natalie Steingarts, everybody, Great, thank, thank you. you so much for coming on. Thank you. Thanks.